Broadcasting live from Martin Short's flashback ponytail, this is Pop Culture Reference, your one-stop reference for all things pop culture. I'm one of your hosts, Seamus Connolly. And I'm your other host, Garrett Strother. They pulled the rug out from under us, or we're just foolish and we assumed way too much. God only knows, but... Unfortunately, Shang-Chi was pulled, or maybe never was going to be, but we're pretty sure was pulled from premium access on Disney+, Plus, likely following the Scarlett Johansson slash Emily Blunt slash The Rock lawsuits that have to do with Disney Plus premium access. So, while it was our original intention to cover Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings this week for the show, we have decided to sidestep that as we are not uh, comfortable going to the movie theaters at this juncture. So, this week we will be covering the new Hulu original series, Only Murders in the Building, starring yeah, 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 yeah. Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez. We watched the first three episodes, and we'll be discussing them today. Kind of an audible play here, but I don't think this is going to be a bad switch up at all. But first, why don't we get into a little bit of the news we have this week? A very sad passing of a legend. Ed Asner has passed away, known for roles on The Mary Tyler Moore Show, Carl Fredrickson from the Pixar film Up. My heart goes out to him as Santa Claus in Elf. Of course. One of the greats, truly. 91 years old. God bless him. He had a long and incredibly rich career. And while I definitely don't have the biggest personal connection to Ed Asner movies, like the Mary Tyler Moore show, absolutely incredible. And like you said, Elf, classic role in what seems like a movie that came out a thousand years ago, but a passing of a legend for sure. And politically active, very politically active. Racial equality and LGBT rights and stuff. Oh, good man. So I guess I'll be checking out the new Up series on Disney+. Plus. Doug Days. Doug Days, okay. Because yeah. he's, he's reprising his role. For, Did he? Yeah, he reprised his role for that, so. No kidding. All right, yeah, that, that'll definitely be worth checking out. I'm going to do that, too. Wonderful. Speaking of reprising roles, this is an interesting transition that I've forced us <laughs> into. Um, yeah. The Expendables 4 is officially happening. It's coming. Sly is back. Jason Statham is back. Megan Fox is coming this time. It's gonna it's gonna be a great time. Now, what is your relationship with the uh, films that are the uh, first three Expendables? I saw the Expendables three in high school for the newspaper, and that is my only exposure to the Expendables. I think we might need to have a little triple feature night, man, because they are some of the stupidest and most entertaining action movies that I've ever seen in my whole life. They're so ridiculous, but it's also that level of, like, you can't always tell if Sly Stallone is, like, taking it as seriously as maybe he is. It's a cartoon of a action series, truly. There's another movie announcement, though, that I am much more excited for, Seamus. Not that I'm not. I think you and I will have a blast watching The Expendables. But oh, sure. The Rocketeer is getting a sequel after all this time. <laughs> uh, the Rocketeer 2 is being developed for Disney+, and it will follow a Tuskegee Airman during World War II that takes up the Rocketeer mantle, which sounds like a grand old time to me. Yeah, that sounds 100% kick-ass, and I am more of a new Rocketeer fan 
than you are, maybe, but I think that there's no better time to bring the Rocketeer back, you know? I know they were doing that kids animated series that was in the canon of the world. I wonder if that will tie in at all to this to this movie. Um, but there's been a lot of perfection of good superhero CG and, like, special effects that's really going to elevate this to have a little bit more Rocketeer in it, maybe, than the original, which I'm looking forward to. I mean, the original Rocketeer is all about a vibe, right? It's going for oh, yeah. this oh, yeah. deco-punk aesthetic that I hope they maintain for this new one. I'm trying to think about who I want to see direct this. I'm assuming it'll probably be a black director would make sense if we're doing a Ooh, Yeah, probably. Man. I mean, in the first one, he doesn't really have any personal struggles like you would find in a, like, segregated platoon of the Air Force. Like, that's a way deeper kind of character to delve into. Like, it's going to elevate the Rocketeer, I think, to a crazy level. I think so. Plus the idea of, like, do people even know he's black under that, under that rudder helmet? You know? Oh, interesting. That could be an interesting thing to play with. You know, I'm thinking about it. Give it to Regina King. I really liked One Night oh, in Miami. Yeah. And she sure. kind of dabbled in those worlds before. Playing with, like, a super specific style, too, I'm sure. In her hands, she could, like, really do some justice to that style you were just talking about a little bit ago. And You think about One Night in Miami, right? And it's got these themes of, like, duty, patriotism, uh, heroism... What does it mean to be a role model? All of these things that I think would probably play into the premise of this new Rocketeer film. I think, hell yeah, that would be great. It'll be the perfect excuse for us to recover the Rocketeer without yes. terrible, terrible audio. Oh, the infamous episode of our show that I don't even know the number of. It was so early. It's also the Mandalorian season one finale. So, oh, so are we, I think if we if we recover the Rocketeer, I think we should recover the season one finale of the Mandalorian. I think that would be great, honestly. Just a, a full, true retrospective on that terribly unlistenable episode. But we've got one final piece of news: the Netflix original film Red Notice has a trailer, and this is the kind of film that I would be super into if it had a completely different cast. But I was going to say, like the three actors who I am the most annoyed with in Hollywood, probably the actors who I want to see less of, who I just keep seeing more of, Ryan Reynolds, The Rock, and Gal Gadot. Just a concentrated ball of winks and smirks that you don't care about, you don't want to see, and they're all doing it to each other for the whole movie, for the whole trailer at least. It feels like that Hobbs and Shaw problem to me that there's no, like, there's no straight man in this. There's no Mm. person who's taking this seriously. It's all, yeah, like you said, it's all winks. I find Ryan Reynolds' shtick incredibly grating. After (laughs) our Fast and the Furious marathon, I find The Rock's shtick incredibly grating. And Gal Gadot is good sometimes, but I feel like she's going to be playing too much in that wink wink world yeah and not, yeah and not, like if she's with a grounded character and a silly character i think that we're, like you look at Zack snyder's justice league uh cinema and <laughs> you've Kino. got her with the insufferable ezra miller flash and the really really compelling <laughs> and cool 
Ray Fisher Cyborg. Cyborg, yeah. And that works. That dynamic is compelling. And that's not going to be this. No, absolutely not. They're just... I mean, it is like a Fast and the Furious-verse reunion. And if it was those just random-ass characters from that universe, I would maybe be compelled enough to watch it in some way, but... Yeah, but did that help for Hobbs and Shaw? You know, yeah, but that's only because we kept mistaking things to be happening that were not. (laughs) So, if I ever, for some reason, watch this movie, I will probably be annoyed from start to finish. You mean when we cover it for the podcast, probably? (laughs) No! Oh, when, when another thing gets pulled from a streaming service and we have to make a flash decision? I'm not excited about this movie, Seamus. <laughs> Me neither, not. man. This is one of those one-a-week Netflix movies, I think, that's just gonna be up there forever, and I'll one day mistake it for the Hitman's Bodyguard in, like, five years or so. A movie I actually would like to see, so... It's not bad. I didn't see the new one. I know that came out. I like Sam Jackson. Like, Sam Jackson's... Yeah, a Sam Jackson. Ryan yeah. Reynolds enough. That's why that movie is, like, kind of Okay. Let's get on to the main segment, man. What do you say? Yeah. Only murders in the building? Give me a little give me a little cute scarf and a peacoat. Ooh. Like I'm already I'm already pretty into this show. Like I will say I hope this this definitely pays off. Have we started talking is this the main segment or yeah, is I don't this know. still we... the transition <laughs> to We kinda just started going on it. I don't know. Do you want to do an official one? Um Today's main segment is going to be Only Murders in the Building, the new Hulu original series starring Selena Gomez, Martin Short, and Steve Martin. It's going to be the first three episodes. We'll give our spoiler-free thoughts up top, and then we'll maybe get into some of our speculation about what's coming later in the series. Like we were saying before, this was a little bit of a last-minute switchover, but I really, really enjoyed the first three episodes that are out now. It's, again, a weekly release, uh, like Disney has been dabbling with more recently. I just, I love Martin Short and everything he's ever in, so it's great to see him again, and him with Steve Martin is obviously electric, because they can bounce off of each other like nothing. And Steve Martin Um, is also, like, producing and writing this series, which it definitely has that Steve Martin touch. Absolutely, oh yeah. Just like the, I uh, got even just the. Oh no, sorry. Spoiler talk. I was gonna talk about that very first opening part. Tonally, Steve Martin is really good at lowbrow, highbrow humor. Sure, yeah. Like that. You're you're in this elevated, stylistically world, right? Where you've got the production design is really exact and really interesting as mm-hmm. is the costume design. Oh, yeah. And all these characters seem, like, really smart and compelling. But at the same time, the humor is just that they're morons. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, at least two out of the three, which is... And it's just kind of, like, sophisticated, dumb humor. Yeah, it's, like, the elegance of this building and the, you know, the nature of all these, like, kind of wild problems that all these characters are having individually but then martin short just eats dip all the time too and you're just like this is perfect it's nice to see steve martin back on screen i just don't know the last time i saw him in anything i feel like the last time i saw him was on 
literally oh hello the netflix recorded oh hello he was the special guest in the audience i think yeah which i mean is also hilarious because it seems like a lot of this is very much inspired by those uh characters i would say or at least influenced in some way but also, how much are those characters influenced themselves by Martin Short and Steve Martin specifically? Oh, like, yeah, I'm sure. Like, it's it's an Ouroboros, just a snake eating its own tail of, like, peak comedy. But I think literally the last thing I saw Steve Martin in other than that was The Big Year, which was ten years ago, the birdwatching the movie. Big Year? I don't even know that movie, dude. That's a good movie. Um, I haven't seen it in ten years, but Jack Black, <laughs> Owen Wilson... And Steve Martin are competitive bird watchers. Oh, that sounds hilarious and actually a little bit familiar. So maybe if I saw like a trailer, I'd recognize it. But it's that sounds good. delightful. Yeah. Uh, but this new show, back to this one, co-star Selena Gomez kind of rounding out this little trio. And, you know, I don't think she's doing a bad job either. I think maybe I just want her character to like Steve Martin more, I don't know, but... Yeah, I think you and I are coming from different points on this, because I think I'm definitely annoyed with her, but I'm actually annoyed with the character. Yeah. I think it's a mark of good writing. Where I think you're more like, I don't know if Selena Gomez is doing as good a job in this. Yeah, I kind of had that thought when we were watching it together yesterday, and I she is kind of sticking to this annoyed you know, young person thing with, like, the two most friendly, wacky old men on the planet. But, you know, first three episodes, we're gonna they're going to get a lot closer, I imagine, than what we see now. Yeah, I think so, too. I think it's part of, all part of the arc. And she's kind of doing Elaine a little bit from Seinfeld. <laughs> oh, yeah. You were talking about that yesterday, too. I think, I think that you're not wrong. Which is funny. I think that's funny. And she's... Yeah. Holding her own timing-wise with these two, you know, legendary comedians, truly legendary <laughs> yes. comedians. So that in itself is impressive. There's a lot of 30 Rock in this show, but, like, yes. Don Scardino, who was a director of, like, most of the episodes of 30 Rock, is a director on this series as well. Oh, um, okay, that makes complete sense. I don't think Selena Gomez was on 30 Rock, but certainly Martin Short and Steve Martin were. Definitely Steve Martin was. Was Martin Short on 30 Rock? Now I need to he check. Mu- he must have been. He was not on 30 Rock. I could swear to it was like a one-off stupid character, but this is just another live example of the Mandela effect. But he's also a one-off stupid character on Arrested Development. He's a one-off stupid character on How I Met Your Mother, you know, on Kimmy Schmidt, which is in the 30 Rock universe. Oh, yeah, maybe that's what we're thinking of. I think that's what we're thinking of. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough, Martin Short. These first three episodes, I think, were pretty impressive for a show that I definitely knew nothing about going in. I'm definitely compelled to keep watching this show moving forward week to week. I think it would be fun to throw on every week. And I'm hoping that the mysteries that they're setting up here are, are going to be as satisfying as the a lot of the jokes are so far. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, so far, a more compelling comedy than it is a mystery, but a lot of the reveals that have been coming have, I know you and I were pretty jazzed about them at the end of each episode, being like, oh, yeah. oh what? Yeah, you know, it's 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 twists that I genuinely 
didn't see coming, and maybe that is because I'm distracted by just the the humor of it all. But it's it's definitely something something special that that good middle ground between the mystery and the comedy. Maybe it's also because you and I are so um, delighted by the podcast in jokes. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that are we? Should we jump into it here? Are we? Are we getting into it? Because. Let's talk spoilers, and that way we can talk conjecture about the mysteries and stuff, because I feel like you should go into this... Like, you shouldn't really know too much about this series when you go in, I think, because... Oh, yeah. They are setting up... Like any good mystery, they're setting up stuff from moment one. Oh, for sure. It's it's all gonna come together in the end. It's gonna be... It's gonna be something real clever. I can feel it. Go into it knowing as little as possible. But let's talk... Let's talk, you know, with spoilers involved... And how Martin Short and Steve Martin are us recording our podcasts while they do their <laughs> own true crime podcast. Uh, I just need like a melodica or something to play into the microphone. And I'll really just, you know, I'm in the closet. I'm obsessed with getting a sponsor, sandwich shop or otherwise. It's Oh, if we could get a sandwich shop sponsor, we'd be rolling. Dude, that Absolutely. bodega down the street from me on, on Prospect, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bombard them with emails. That's true. Yeah, if only if Nathan Lane owns the. <laughs> oh, it was so good to see Nathan Lane in these. He's he's. I hope he sticks around for at least a good while. I have a feeling he's probably gonna get murdered. I think his deaf son is going to play some kind of role in the ultimate payoff of the mystery. I think that's not that it's not great to have deaf representation on screen, but I think that that's like too specific a setup to not have a payoff later. Yeah, it's going to be something like somebody who you didn't expect, like knows sign language or something, or or like he sees something, but I don't know. It's you're you're right. It is too specific of a character choice in there to to just have that be nothing important later, especially for something like a murder mystery contained in a single apartment building. You know, there's yeah, already like cat paws and blood and strange hoodies and frozen cat legs if you will <laughs> that was such a funny bit we were both like because it's like a silly looking frozen cat but that was a bit that really made us both gasp and laugh quite hardly. yeah like it was funny but at what cost you know <laughs> <laughs> that cat's leg yeah apparently that guy from the good places passing out and all that i think he does pretty well in this too i mean i don't know if we'll see much of him again yeah I think we'll off see early. more Jonathan from 30 Rock, probably, who yes. knows about Steve Martin's missing wife. Yeah, oh man, I I wonder what that is. Are they going to do it like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where it's implied that he's mur- murdered his wife for a laugh? Or are they going to like, she is alive somewhere? I mean, I, I imagine they're going to get somebody pretty big to play his wife when that, whenever that does get revealed. And the thing I admire about this show so far is that there's levity and it's a comedy, but I, mm-hmm. for the most part, it takes its character stuff seriously. It's not, you know, I don't think they would play off Steve Martin's wife's disappearance or death as a joke. If anything, you and I were talking about how there was a weird um, pacing thing. Oh, yeah, in the first episode. In the first episode where we get all three of their tragic backstories at the same time. But yeah. structurally, um, after 
the end of the first episode, I do feel a little bit better about that because it turns out that Selena Gomez and Steve Martin are both giving half-truths to each other. Mm. And I mean, Martin Short, to be fair, is making it as obvious as possible that he is the brokest man in their building, but... yeah. I, I have a feeling that there are more mysteries with Mr. Martin Short than, than we're getting so far, even though they're kind of maybe setting those mysteries up a little uneven, but I guess we need a we need a mid-season Martin Short mystery. I feel like we're probably going to have some red herring plot lines that end up telling us more about our main characters before we actually get to solve the mystery. You know, Jonathan from... 30 Rock, whose who's name I should know, and I just don't. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's um, in a lot of stuff. Could end up informing more of, you know, Steve Martin's character than necessarily filling out the mystery. Mm. Do you have do you have a line on who the murderer is? Do you have any ideas, Seamus? Well, I th- think it would be a lot of fun if they, like, ended the series with, like, a godfather-esque zoom out smirk on martin short's face and he like murdered tim kono to get a podcast going to get money but i don't know if they would do that i i feel like it's gonna be probably a character we haven't met yet maybe I think there's there's so many of these neighbors that they are gonna like do an episode on each pretty much i think and but- a lot of the series so far has been building Selena Gomez's backstory with the character who was Murder Tim. Right. I feel like that's probably not going to ultimately have anything to do with his murder, or very indirectly have to do with his murder, because I think that's more informing Selena Gomez's investment. Almost like a noir, right? Sure, yeah. There are certainly noir elements to this series, you know, being a murder mystery, being in New York City, you know. Of course, of course. I'm very curious about how that's going to play out. I think Nathan Lane is a possible suspect because I think they're putting him in the building, but they're not putting him in a position where he's under suspicion at all from our main characters. Yeah, maybe that is it. I don't know. Like, he's not on, like, the building board. He's not the landlord. He's not... He just kind of lives there. He's the neighbor of the, you know, Martin Short annoys him for money to produce his... and yeah i feel like maybe it's a little too easygoing that he agreed to sponsor the podcast and he's kind of going along with stuff pretty easily for having kicked martin short out of his apartment the first time that stuff with his son would probably come more into play there totally we get a lot of weird stuff about tim kono the hollowed out books full of what looks like maybe stolen jewelry well that would Uh, be in line with what we know of his character from before Right, like when he was younger, he would break into everybody's houses and stuff, but And that I don't there know. was, you know, there are multiple murders in this story. Selena Gomez's old friend and Tim Kono's That's old friend right. was killed. And we still have the other friend who was recently out of prison, who's going to definitely be in the next episode or two that shake things up and maybe maybe spill Selena Gomez's lies in front of Steve Martin and Martin Short. Yeah, I feel like if anything, Martin Short specifically is probably going to be excited that she knows more for the podcast. Oh, sure, yeah. I I do like his very, very transparent motivations for all of this. Is 
is just like let's let's ramp up. Oh, there's a second murder in the park. You want to go cover a second podcast? Yeah, it's very it's very fun. Amy Ryan from The Office has been she's in the opening credits, but she's only been in one scene so far. Oh yeah, that's right, just in that elevator scene. So very possible that I I'm assuming she's gonna have a much bigger role. And I and I mean I can only pray that Sting is a major part of the rest of this season because that oh. was one of the funniest stingers, if you will, at the end of that episode. Oh, oh Seamus, you clever boy! <laughs> that is because yeah, they make like Sting like a total jerk. They he lives in the building. <laughs> <laughs> that don't stand so close to me was haunting as they as they ended that. He hates dogs, including his own dog, including his funny. own dog. But yeah, I don't know if that'll actually go anywhere or if that was just. Oh, I I either hope Sting gets murdered or he is the murderer because either one is very it would very be funny. Very funny if Sting got murdered. Because yeah, that's his out. That's his hard out from this from this show. Because he, I don't know if he wants to just be the star of the show and. It would also be just, like, a hilarious plot device to make things, like, a lot more ramped up. But I feel like, regardless, there's going to be a payoff with him. They spent so much time in the third episode establishing him. And yeah, that was truly... The, yeah, the last thing we see is him, like, staring dead into the camera, singing. Uh, I do I do very much enjoy that Martin Short uh, fantasy of, like, casting who the murderer is. I think that's pretty fun. And we'll probably see that some more as the season goes. Again, the sense of heightened reality yeah, in this yeah. series. I agree with you. I'm really enjoying the staging of it. It feels really fresh. It feels really modern, but also kind of classic at the same time, which is, I think, definitely what they're going for. Oh, yeah. Steve Martin starts out this series with making really weird jokes about a fan's father who's in hospice oh, oh my god what a what a very unexpected and funny opening with that good god that you know that sets the tone for just like a morbid and very droll show i love shows where rich people are just buffoons <laughs> yeah i mean that that's really what this is tina yeah, fans at... the show she's oh a yeah she, she's the she's the podcasting I forget what the name of their show is, the Ohio one. Oklahoma. Something is Excuse bad in Oklahoma me. or something yeah, like that. Yeah, something yeah that was a fun surprise. We're getting a few really fun cameos in this show so far. I'm excited to see who else they can pull out here. I mean, it's produced by such big names. I'm sure they've got a lot of fun friends that would be willing to do just like a one-off scene. Totally. I definitely wasn't expecting the level of, like, gore effects as we, we actually got in this show. I, it was pretty gnarly stuff when they show Tim Kono's head and when they do the weird hallucination of Selena Gomez talking to his, like, open side of his head. Mm-hmm. I think that's cool. They're, they're, they're going a little more adult with this kind of show. Lots of, lots of swear words and plenty of gore that you couldn't put on, you know, regular TV. So it's, it's fun to see. In Especially my when... good Disney streaming service, Seamus. <laughs> hey, man, that's why they put it on Hulu. 20th should... Century Studios. Oh, yeah, 20th Century Studios. Uh, that That sad. is definitely weird to see now, but I mean, yeah. hey, they're doing, they're doing good work. This show's fun. We could have covered that new John Cena movie. You know what I'm talking about, the wedding movie? 
Yeah, I think I do. I think we were seeing trailers for it yesterday. I don't know what else to to say about these first three episodes, really, besides that they were just like genuinely compelling, and this this mystery has got me pretty hooked from where we're at now. Um, totally, and I definitely suspect Martin Short is eviler than his sad character is making making it seem so far. Oh, I don't want Martin Short to be a bad guy. Nah, man, I'm into it. It's like that one Barbie movie where he played Preminger. He's the best bad guy. He... What? <laughs> it's like Barbie Swan Princess or something, and he is the main bad guy of that insane straight-to-DVD early 2000s barbie movie it's well, it's haunting you know he got that paycheck so that's what it is i mean kelsey Grammer did one of those uh yeah kelsey Grammer will do anything like... <laughs> he likes to work the man likes to work he does it's true but martin short more just does a high-pitched little shriek and that's all you need <laughs> he's like what if i came on and i was the weirdest out of place character <laughs> Oh, that's in his contract. Yeah, I I recommend this show, certainly. I'm assuming if you've listened to the spoiler part of it that you are already watching. Yeah, I I would say this is definitely worth keeping up to week to week. Just the mystery of it is is very fun. I recommend it too. I think both of our stamps of approval are on this. It was, was, like we keep saying, it was more of a spontaneous thing, but an absolute pleasant surprise. Definitely. I'm really glad we did this. And I'm excited to talk about Shang-Chi. Someday. <laughs> yeah, you know, we'll get to it at one point. 45-day theatrical window, right? Yes, which is good. That's a new new precedent that l- we have some discussion about, but that'll be a larger conversation another time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but should we move on to uh, our pop culture reference? Oh, I was about to say the same thing. Let's do it. How cute. This week's pop culture reference is the Mandela Effect. The Mandela Effect is a colloquialism for when a large group of people experience a psychological effect known as false memory. The phenomenon was labeled the Mandela Effect in 2010 by self-proclaimed paranormal consultant named Fiona Broom. Broom and many others all had the same false memory that South African anti-apartheid leader Nelson Mandela had died while imprisoned in the 80s. Well, in reality, he went on to become the president of South Africa and passed away in 2013. Famous examples of the Mandela Effect also include the existence of a 90s Sinbad-led genie film called Shazam, the Fruit of the Loom logo having a cornucopia behind it, and the children's characters the Berenstain Bears being the Berenstain Bears. Darth Vader's famous reveal of his paternal relationship to Luke Skywalker in The Empire Strikes Back is very often misremembered as Luke, I am your father, instead of the correct line, no, I am your father. This effect is so widespread that some people cite it as possible evidence of multiversal transference or government brainwashing, among other conspiracies. Many of these examples are easily justifiable, however. Sinbad's Shazam is likely people misremembering the 90s children's film Kazam, which starred Shaquille O'Neal as a genie. The Berenstain Bears are also likely just confabulating to conform to the more common name spelling of Steen. We had our own personal brush with the Mandela Effect this week, of course, as you and I, people all over social media, and as we confirmed yesterday, my father, were all under the impression that Shang-Chi was coming to Disney Plus Premiere Access and having even remembered seeing trailers saying as much. I have been unable to find whether or not there were trailers in circulation that said that, 
you know, before the whole ScarJo lawsuit happened, but... Yeah, that was that was definitely a double take moment when I was like riding the elevator up to meet you to watch Shang Chi, and you you hit me with that. It was truly I thought I was going crazy. I I swear I saw Reddit ads with Disney Plus on it. I swear I saw bus ads with Disney Plus on it. It's it's very disorienting. Yeah, it's a it's a shame, but you know we we figured it out, didn't we, Seamus? Oh yeah, we still we still got a great topical main segment this week, but yeah, it's definitely definitely a strange phenomenon. I I personally was uh like the Berenstein Bears was something that I would have bet my life on at one point, I think, before I became more aware of the Mandela effect, but uh I don't think I could ever mistake the absolute cinematic classic of Shaquille O'Neal's Kazam. Like that's 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 too much. I am definitely a person that thought the cornucopios behind the fruit of the loom. It, it drives me crazy. I don't know. Oh, what. that! I swear to God, I've seen tags and shirts like that. It that one hurts my brain a little bit. Maybe there's some other logo I'm thinking of, but I'm pretty sure it's the fruit of the loom. Like if you asked me to draw the fruit of the loom logo, I would draw it with a cornucopia. Yeah, like definitely, definitely. I'm almost surprised they didn't like play with that kind of stuff in like a Loki or something like that. They did kind of <laughs> some of that weird fun time travel stuff, but they did Polybius. No, yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking of too. Which, it's it's a similar vein. To, you don't have to copyright and fringe for Polybius, Seamus. <laughs> you don't have to license the Fruit of the Loom logo. Oh, true, true, true. Should we move on to save the rec center? Yeah, I think it's time. Now it's time to save the rec center where we bring you our weekly recommendations. Seamus, what do you got this week? Well, for the first time in a long time, I dabbled back again into the Studio Ghibli pool here. And the only other movie I had ever seen from that collection was Spirited Away, obvious classic. But this week, I just watched Howl's Moving Castle for the first time. And I gotta say, man, it was spectacular. It blew me out of the water. Every single frame of that movie is like the most crisp and clean animation I've seen in a long, long time. And maybe that's just because of how HBO Max now has those very exclusive HD streaming rights to all of these movies. But it was just an absolute treat to watch. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it or not, but it's... A very polite English hat maker woman gets cursed by a witch and is turned into an old woman, and she falls in love with a bird man who lives in a castle with legs, and it's just absolutely fantastic. I'm a big Ghibli fan. I've not seen Ghibli, Howl's Moving Castle. Ghibli. What'd you say? I think I mispronounced it Ghibli. I'm never sure on I, which both. one it is. I think it's. Oh. I, I've heard it both ways, so I don't okay, know which okay. it is, Seamus. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, so don't take that as me like. <laughs> passive aggressively correcting, correcting you. me yeah okay but i i like their films and i would like to see howl's moving castle i'd like to check that one out oh yeah you know if you if you know you know kind of the vibe of that studio in general you know that it's just like you know fantastical there's a girl that'll like form a bond with a magical guy and it'll it'll look beautiful you know billy crystal's in it and so is christian bale and that was two huge surprises that i was not expecting so you you went dubbed then? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I 
guess I didn't even give it a second thought. You know, it was still absolutely wonderful. Well, they spend so much money on the American dubs for those films. You know, I think yeah. those are one of, like, that and, like, Cowboy Bebop are some of the few examples of times when they do spend a lot of effort and forethought into putting the English dub in, and they hire, you know, really compelling good actors to take those roles because they know that uh, Western audiences often, it's going to be a lot easier to get people to watch something with a dub. And just a personal preference, sometimes I, I enjoy a dub more because I want to focus on a lot of the art and the animation going on. There's a Absolutely. lot of background things that are just, you know, maybe not the most important that you have to see, but it, it adds so much to the world and to the art style itself that I, I'd rather not be as bogged down with reading subtitles. And, you know, everybody in this movie did a fantastic job as well. Like you're saying, they spend so much to get the most professional professionals. It's... It's worth checking out. It's on HBO. They're all on HBO Max. So if you if you got a couple hours and you just want to throw on something that'll delight you, Howl's Moving Castle. 100%. What do you got this week, man? Oh, Seamus, you already know. <laughs> I knew one of us was going to do it. And I I appreciate your <laughs> your how gracious you were to let me be the one to take it. Now streaming in high definition, on Amazon Prime Video, James Cameron's The Abyss, a film I have wanted to see for at least a decade. And you and I were very excited to learn that they had put this film in high definition on Amazon Prime. It was very, very difficult to find. Mm. There's not an official Blu-ray release. And you and I, so you and I decided to check this one out together. Ed Harris, he's kicking it uh, at the bottom of the ocean. Michael Bean is there. It's all, <laughs> oh, yes, all the Cameron is. staples. I was not disappointed. I, I'd been hyping myself up for this movie for a long, long time. Really wanted to see it. I'd seen some of the more iconic visual effects shots, the early CG shots, the practical tank shots. Was blown away, and I'm really glad I waited to see it in HD. And I'm glad we got to go on that experience together, Seamus. Oh yeah, man. That that I, same boat as you. Just heard about it for so long. Always wanted to see it, and I was less aware of the you know how hard it was to get your hands on. And so it was just a a blast to watch that. It was like one of those extraterrestrial or whatever terrestrial movies that rises above that kind of standard like UFO alien invasion kind of bring me to your leader vibe and it, it was really good i totally agree and i feel like if you haven't seen this film which if you're under the age of 30 you probably haven't i feel like just based <laughs> on the availability of it on home video yeah i strongly recommend going and checking this out especially if you like the other work of james cameron aliens terminator titanic learn nothing about it just go watch it like there's a reason i'm being so vague right now and that's because i really think that it's a it's not cameron's best film or anything like that but it's certainly an experience that's worth having going in blind definitely definitely a very unique kind of movie and i think you're right just just pull the trigger and be happy with what you what you get because it, it, it definitely is a very fun ride 
And it's very possible we'll end up covering that for the show, I think. You know, we kind of kicked that around even this week as a last-minute replacement for Shang-Chi, so... You've told me legend of some kind of director's cut that's out there somewhere. I wouldn't mind even a revisit, too. I'm trying to get my hands on that DVD, Seamus. We'll we'll get there soon enough. <laughs> Hell yeah, man, I'm in. But that wraps us up for this week's episode of Pop Culture Reference. If you want to reach the show, you can tweet us at PCR underscore podcast. Find us at that same handle on Instagram and TikTok. Email us at popculturereferencepod at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe on YouTube. Leave us a review or a like or a rating wherever you're listening to this show. Next week, we're going to be talking about the new Mary Elizabeth Winstead action film, Kate, which I believe is coming to Netflix. Ooh, can't wait. I, 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 you know I love her. She's just glorious at everything, and this will be a fun fun uh, action movie ride. Absolutely. I'm excited. I, again, a movie I know almost nothing about, but we needed something <laughs> for next week, and that movie was coming out, so we were like, yeah, why not? Yeah, we, we both like her. We both like gun action stuff. It's going to be perfect. All right, but we will see you next week. Adios, amigos. Adios, amigos.